about it. Welcome to the show and welcome to episode 129. Okay, guys, here we are again. Uh, so waking up here and just jumping right in. Uh, again, another guest from Podmatch and reading her story and, you know, I go through it and she was one of the people I matched with and I wanted to have her on. So, uh, you want to tell us your story and uh, a little about yourself or sorry, tell us your name and a little about yourself. <laughs> sure. Uh, this is Marjorie Turner Holman, um, at, uh, Turner.com. My story is, uh, basically that my life, I, I write about how to live with a changed life with many, many people understand and not necessarily welcome, but what do you, you do what you can. And for me, I was a single mother of two young children and figured out, kind of muddled through to figure out how to support them and me after I became a single mother seven years after that huge change in my life, I woke from brain surgery to discover that my entire right side had been paralyzed, a, a surprise to all of us. Uh, in the um, ensuing close to 30 years, I've had a measure of healing, not complete, but healing on many levels. And I have um, a attained a measure of mobility and I love to be outdoors, and my focus has become Easy Walks, which is helping find places for myself and for other people to get outdoors on whatever level our ability is. Um, right. I, I have learned, well, I've learned to use the, the words, um, Easy Walks are not too many roots or rocks, relatively level, firm footing with something of interest along the way. And I've found this to be helpful for not just people with visual impairments, but people with mobility impairments and even young parents with kids in strollers and elders as well. Right, exactly. Um, so for, you know, guys and women who don't have children, what, what was your ideal, what was, or I should say, what was the challenges you came across just when becoming a uh, single parent? Obviously that was oh my goodness! <laughs> um, well, it was really frightening for me. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom, and suddenly I found myself with no car, no job, no money, and thankfully had family who was able to help me get a car. I had a friend who said, "Well, you said you maybe wanted to do a house cleaning business. Uh, I'll I'll teach you because." I didn't even know how to clean my own house. I'd never seen a dust rag in my life. Uh, and she taught me, gave me a business <laughs> reference, and I went from there. Uh, it, was, it was not an easy or clear path, but that's how I got started. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of, you know, you're a little older than I am, but there's a lot of women who do the whole, I'm a stay-at-home mom, which is fine, but sometimes they stay too long and they don't really learn any skills to develop and, and become an adult. 
and they and then when if the guy does disappear, that's if he even sticks around in the beginning. Um, they end up left with just kind of trying to pick themselves up, and it takes a while. And then it's like at some point, unless you have a, a functional family that wants to help you and and, and I guess teach you, you're kind of really screwed. It, it was it's scary, and um, I, I didn't have a clear path. Uh, a lot of doors opened in strange ways, uh, not not clearly, not seamlessly, and I, I like to use the word muddling often. It, it's just you kind of do what you have to and figure it out and and hope that it's the right thing and. Lucky for me, basically it was until I got ill and wasn't able to work at all. And then I had to start all over again, which is another pretty scary thing. Right. Did you, yeah, I mean, I'm sure at that point when you were, something actually was taken from you, you started to look back at the things that you could have done at that point. And, you know, again, you, it's, it's hindsight, but you look at the things you could have done in that time and you go, wow, like now I really can't do it. And I just I <laughs> took a lot of that for granted and I was just being, whether it's lazy or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mostly probably in reflecting on that, recognize that I really, uh, I need people to do things with me. I, I'm just, I don't have the personality to just go out and, do stuff as the only adult. I was able to find friends who wanted to do things with me, but that again was not a seamless uh, process. And sure, once once I wasn't able to walk, there were lots of places that I wished I could. And at that at that point, I have a, I live overlooking a little lake here in Massachusetts, and it was a big accomplishment just to be able to get down to the lake and see the water and be able to take what I, in re- in retrospect, learned were easy walks. And, yeah. You know, you just do what you have to. And yes, there I still feel frustration and longing to just be able to do what I could do, uh, being able to not have to use railings to get downstairs. Um, to be able to walk more than a mile or two, uh, you know, lots of things that I don't have the stamina to do. And I also have real heat sensitivities. So summer is not a fun time for me. We've learned some coping things to give me some cooling stuff, but uh, it can be really frustrating. Right. Yeah. I saw this thing that they were advertising, and it's like a, you put it around your neck and it's like a fan and it just kind of, you can put it on your waist or you could put it on your neck and it just kind of blows on you and it keeps you cool. Yep. Oh, I have about a whole box of different options, a cooling vest, a cooling uh, scarves. I use a, like a little plastic water mister that gives me false sweat. And that's probably one of the most useful things. It's just to spray my limbs, my face, my belly if I need, and um, my le- yeah, my legs, and and it makes a huge difference. Simple things, but 
didn't occur to me. My husband is the one who's come up with a lot of these strategies because he likes to include me in things that otherwise can be really difficult. And that's really important because there's there's not enough people trying to do that. Um, and I've, I've worked with other people with disabilities and I looked at the lack of like in, in the job placement where they're just, it wasn't, if you can't do it, it's like, ah, so you can't do it. It's almost like you proved them right. Whereas like, I, um, again, I have my own visually, you know, I'm, I'm got my own disability as well, but I'm like, let's just find a way to accommodate you and, and, and acclimate you to the situation. Let's do this. And, you know, me with one mediocre eye worked with one guy who's totally blind, a guy who was missing an arm and we were just getting things done and we were doing it efficiently. It, it's just, mm-hmm. there's always a way around something. And when, when there's someone out there that actually takes the time to just put their hand on your shoulder and say, no, you're, you're coming with us. I just going to have to work on something to get you to come with us. You know, I had that instance very, very early after I had been paralyzed. I had a physical therapist come to my house and uh, she only came a couple times. I didn't have insurance really to, to pay for any of that. So I got very little physical therapy, but we had a basketball hoop right outside the house that my kids, my neighbors were playing, and I said something to her about, I wish I could pl- get out there and, and play basketball. And she just looked at me and said, well, let's go. And I was terrified. And we, she helped me down the stairs and out to the street and um, said, here's the ball. Let's play basketball. And I, I, I was frozen, and she said, I'm going to hold you. And she got her hand around my, my belt loop and said, I got you. Just go on, drop the ball. And I dropped it once, and it popped right back up into my hands. And I dropped it once more, and it, it moved a little. I had to respond to it. And the next thing I knew, I was probably 20 feet down the street, and she was standing back there with this biggest smile on her face. And I realized that, Otherwise, I couldn't get across the room without a cane. And there I was, the only support I had was a bouncing basketball. It felt like one of the first of many, many miracles that I experienced. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't have somebody that said, let's try and I'll help. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how many limitations you actually, regardless of what other people tell you, it's amazing how many limitations you actually think you have. And even going back to when you didn't have a disability and, you know, you didn't know how to cook or clean or anything. You look at it like it's yeah. this horrible challenge and you're like, oh, my God. And obviously now things yeah. are more challenging for you. But the idea of even bouncing a ball being comforting is like, well, that, I can't do that. It won't work. And then you do it and it's like, oh, there is something. Oh, to this. it's exhilarating. Oh, it's absolutely exhilarating. People don't always understand how any of those tiny little accomplishments are are euphoric. It's it's a little hard to describe. Yeah, because it brings you some normalcy that you would have had before the accident, and but you get so wrapped up in your head, it just continues to Mm -hmm. tell you what you can't do, and it just constricts you, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, I I can't do nothing. What is the point? And and. That's why a lot of times getting out of bed is one of the hardest challenges, regardless of your disability, whether you can physically get out of bed or not. It's very hard to get out because you're just, you're like, why? My day is just hard. I can't do nothing. I'm just going to sit here in a chair or yeah. whatever. And 
that's not the case because there's so many people doing great things with what they lack. Um, it's just, you know, unless you have like a real, uh, you know, like the, the, a lot of these people who are going through the worst of times right now mentally, they don't have a real example or a hero to just say, look, look at that guy who was in the Olympics with no legs, but he had, um, he had prosthetics and he, he was winning races. Like if they don't have right. a real example or they don't have a friend who, you know, has a, some sort of impairment is like, look, I can do this <clears throat> because all people's most examples, uh, that they have are, are people in movies who don't even play us or who aren't even like us. They just play <laughs> us. So they, right. yeah, they don't have any real examples. So you're just some girl sitting in Massachusetts and you're just like, Hey, I can't do this. And it's like, well, if you had maybe somebody, a neighbor or somebody you knew that it succeeded at what you were, what, what, what you were, it may be mm-hmm. easier for you to go. Yeah, of course I can bounce a basketball. There's a tremendous value in people being able to be there with you. Um, I, I had a sense at one point that I was getting some kind of rhythm back. That, and I knew that uh, a kindergarten readiness test, they test children to see if they can skip. It's a developmental thing. And I, I just got this sort of idea. I said, I think I might be able to skip again. And I reached out to a dear friend and I said, I think I may be able to do this, but I don't want to do it alone. And she said, of course, I'll come over. And she came over and visited and we went down to, we have a little trolley path. Uh, There's no tracks there anymore through the woods where I live. And we went down to the old trolley path. So it's a nice straight flat path to walk on. And I took her arm, her elbow, and we started skipping. And it was just such another euphoric miracle that, yeah, things are changing and this is wonderful. But I tried to show a family member. I I went over and visited family and I said, look, I can skip now. And I tried to do it by myself and, and nearly broke things. It was really sort of stunning. And I realized that yes, I could skip with a friend or someone else, but trying to do it on my own was not only not possible, it wasn't helpful. And and mentally understanding that this is a really healthy thing to be welcoming people into your life to help you. Yeah. Well, and also like with these experiences that you're having, like I'm sure from the be- you know in the beginning it, it seemed like something you couldn't do, but when you, it's only you keep like unlocking these experiences and once you have them obviously they go on for the rest of your life and go of course I can do that and at some point that just becomes <laughs> that just becomes normal but before you ever did it it's like oh my god there's no way I can't leave the house exactly and, and now it's it's just a normal thing for you and if you just sit in your chair and don't try to do some things. Yes, you might fall. I have fallen many times. But if you if you just sit, there may be healing that is occurring that you'll never notice. And you actually may lose the opportunity to experience that if you remain static, whatever that static is, yeah. exactly where you've been and believe nothing can ever change. Yeah, of course. 
Um, so we like kind of brushed over. So what actually happened to you that made you disabled? Um, I, I had a brain tumor uh-huh. and it was, um, necessary. I was, I had a massive seizure is how we even knew that it was there. I quickly diagnosed and they said, we must do this surgery very, very soon. And so within a week or so I was lined up for brain surgery. I I hadn't been given any sense that what happened would happen. Everyone was surprised, but they, um, they started doing tests like uh, rubbing my foot. Could I feel that? Yes, I could feel that. They said, Oh good. You have the potential. It, because there's still some connections, you have the potential to get movement back and they couldn't promise me what, but, um, you know, this was very hopeful. The downside of that was because I could feel everything, but wasn't able to move those muscles, healthy muscles need to move. That's what healthy is, is movement. And not being unable to move those muscles was, ex- was excruciating. And the only relief I got was from one nurse who gave me a massage and helped those muscles move for a brief time. But it was an, another insight of understanding the potential, but it didn't take away from the pain at the moment. What, what were you like, like mentally inside? Like, were you freaking out or were you, oh, you know? I was angry. I was very angry and did not feel grateful for having survived. It was, I, I was, my life was a mess. I had no work. I had no income. I needed to figure out how to provide for my kids and myself. And I was certainly wasn't able to drive. Um, couldn't clean houses anymore. Um, a lot, you know, I was very stuck at home and, and very isolated and, and I was angry from a couple of years until my seizures were getting under control so I could get out and do more, um, that I was able to get some mobility with support. I was able to get back to contra dancing, which is kind of like square dancing that I had done before and loved. And I was able to start getting back to that again with support. Right. So, but those first couple of years were, were exceedingly painful and angering and frustrating. Yeah, you do a lot of self-reflecting and, and you really only reflect on the stuff that was obvious, but it's the bad stuff. <laughs> yes, it was hard. I mean, there just wasn't any escape. It was with me all day and all night. So uh, my kids kept me going, kept me getting going through that hardest part because I wasn't willing to make things even harder for them. Uh, otherwise, I had very little motivation to keep going. And for their sake, I did. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, you have to. It's good to have a support system because doing it alone, it's its terrifying. It, just it, it really is. Yes. And you're more likely to fail when you do it alone because you have nothing. If you don't have anything to look forward to, that's when the right. the depression and all that takes over. It, it, it's, it's, own, exactly. it's a whole other disability that cripples you in a different way. It does. It, it cripples you in a very different way that 
doesn't manifest necessarily physically, but it can keep you from even getting out of that chair. Right. It's like you can physically do something, but your body just locks up and it's just like, no, we're not doing anything because you don't feel like it. <laughs> right. And it's like, right. It, it, it's a real physical, it's a dark hole that you truly can't climb out of. Uh, I, I benefited tremendously from counseling, from um, friends that came into my life, um, family that stepped up to help with what I needed. It, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't, again, a smooth, a seamless thing. Lots of people that I thought I could count on were not able to. Um, new people came into my life and something I recognized was rather than feeling angry with the people who it's very easy to feel let down by those people who aren't able to respond to changed needs. And I was able to find some forgiveness in recognizing that they weren't the one that had changed. I was the one that changed and every time and no matter what life circumstance that occurs, most of your, the people who are around you aren't able to manage that change with you. Yeah. And, and, you know, moving to a place of forgiving them for not being able to change just because my change was forced on me, they were the same people. And they, a few were able to, but I think that's, the case for most of us that a few are able to stick with you and then other people do come into your life that you never expected yeah and and there are some people that genuinely were good people but they have enough going on in their life that what you're bringing to their life is either a buzzkill or whatever and it's just bringing them down more and there's something they can't take and you know you could say whatever right. you want about that but then there are people who just shouldn't have been in your life and they weren't really that loyal to you and, and those are the ones that you kind of weaved out and they're now gone and that's good but there are a few that you might have lost that that you can get back it's just it takes time and, and you know understanding and hopefully both time you know the things that were affecting them and affecting you at the same time were will pass and maybe you can collide at some point and go, Hey, what's up? You know? Right. So th yeah. Cause we keep changing and, and that's, that's the lesson. And it's also the forgiveness for people who aren't able to meet the needs that you have. It's I've learned, I have learned to forgive and also be more understanding of, of what people can and can't do. And I can't be that for, everyone else either none of us can yeah how did the uh, surgery go uh it nearly killed me oh wow <laughs> it, I, I was very lucky to survive but i didn't feel very lucky it, it it really uh was very difficult surgery and and they weren't sure that i would survive um, i did and had very good medical care but uh it was a close it was a close thing. Yeah, that's yeah, surgery, especially major surgeries. You just don't know what they do. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't get always get the results we want. And we say, ah, see, this, we should have never tried this. But if you don't try something, you just never know. And obviously, if you wouldn't have tried that surgery, you wouldn't probably wouldn't be here. So, right. Just, right. You had to go through a lot because, you know, it's, it's the very beginning process of anything 
it looks like a giant mountain you have to climb. And in some cases it is like yours where it's just like, it's hard to look at any, it's hard to fathom any like decent quality of life when you're, Mm -hmm. you can't feel anything. You're in immense pain. Um, and you're in the very beginning stages of just recovering from a surgery. And it's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of just you laying here. It's like, well, this sucks because I already hate myself. I already hate everything. And I just, <laughs> why, why, why should I do this? Like, why can't we just, can we do this over and hope it doesn't work? And it's sad. You go through really <laughs> bad thoughts, but mm-hmm. you know, but again, and to some degree they're necessary too, because you get to see how bad the mind can be and, and where you, how far you've come and grown from that first day of coming out of that surgery. Right. You know, it's, it's funny because people will say, oh, I couldn't do what you do. And I say, well, it's the devil, you know, as opposed to the devil, you don't. And when I think about what would have happened if I lost my sight, what would have happened if I lost my voice, those are two other essential communication and functional abilities that I didn't lose that it's hard for me to imagine what would I have done? How would I have coped if I'd lost those? So, you know, it doesn't make one or the other harder or more noble or, or anything. It's, it's what you know and what you have the experience responding to. I can't put myself in your place of dealing with visual impairment. I'm, I know how grateful and how necessary visual skills are for me. So I can't put myself in your place and I would find that very terrifying. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I, that's something I've, I've learned to appreciate because I can see some and it's something that I have appreciated because obviously I know people that are totally blind, but also I never really looked at my, I, I, obviously it, it depresses me and it frustrates me, but I never looked at it as something like, oh, I, cause what I look at is someone who can't walk. I go, oh, that's horrifying. But then <laughs> I realized like, seeing things it's it's one of the major things to, to enjoy life I, we have five senses and to me three of them aren't as important as the hearing and the, and the seeing um but they're all important it's just i never really looked at losing my sight as something as bad as someone like i said in a wheelchair or uh i don't know just a lot of these chronic pains where they could barely walk and all that and it, but it, it is it's just it took me time to really appreciate all I've ever. I even look at my eyes and just like, wow, you guys are just somehow still fighting. Like I don't know how because I, you know, I'm still mm-hmm. trying to get surgery right. to this day and trying to over, try to just have one surgery left. If if I can get it, it could make you know it's a cornea transplant. It could it could possibly change something yeah. in my life. But if I don't, my sight might just eventually just dwindle away. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in that battle, and it's something even as I say it, it bothers me. But I, I'm trying my ass off to fight for it. But, um, but right. as I interview people like you, it, it makes me appreciate what I do have in life, and it's not to compare myself like, oh, thank God I got legs unlike you, or I got <laughs> I got ears unlike you. It, it's just it makes me grateful for the things I have, and I go like, you know, it's not that oh I don't have it that bad. It's just like at least that's not one of my problems because I do have other issues, certain chronic pains, and and. Uh, obviously depression and anxiety and things like that. But it, it's nice when I know I don't have, you know, even little things like pneumonia or COVID or whatever. But I, I you know, right. I don't have a hearing problem. I have good ears. <clears throat> I have good ears. Mm-hmm. And you have a voice. 
Right. And, yep, that's right. Uh, I, I often people will start talking about their challenges and then they'll immediately say, but it's nothing like yours. And I, I am quick to say pain is pain. Uh, disability is disability. And it, it doesn't help you or anybody to feel like it's not there because somebody else has a different challenge. You know, it's, it's comparison isn't helpful and it, it does, it's not useful. So I try to discourage that, and I also don't don't really welcome being seen as an inspiration. And I, I'm not even quite sure what that all is, unless it means somebody takes that and says, "I've got some encouragement to face my own struggles," because everybody has them, and many of those struggles just don't show. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know what you mean. There's there's certain parts of it where you go, oh, I don't like. Is that kind of you kind of putting me down at the same time? Like you don't know how you're how they're coming across. But there are people who literally do take. They look at us and they go, Wow. Like I'm I've been missing something. Maybe maybe the version of you, you know, the the mother who just wasn't getting enough done in her life, and was just looking and saw somebody who is a mom who has a disability, and is like, Wow. Like I've been sitting here just bullshitting on dating sites trying to find the next man to replace my last shitty boyfriend and i'm <laughs> you know I, I haven't cooked in a while i haven't even showered i'm just just rotting away here and i look at this person who's doing all this um because i've been inspired by people with disabilities and i have one um and and, and it helps me to go on and it, it makes me fight even all that much more for someone like us so we don't the next generation of us don't have to continue to go through what we have to to struggle just for normalcy, like, you know, job placement and things like that. But yes, there are some people that are just like, they look at us and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm glad I'm so great. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's not I, I've never, never been, I, I have learned that it's not helpful to put anybody on a pedestal. And I guess that's part of what it kind of feels like is that people are putting a, a person like me on a pedestal and you know we all have struggles and we all have times that we don't do so okay and I, I'd rather be down with everybody else than up at a pedestal that's not real and is also somewhat isolating right but I'll tell you like what's inspiring for for me from uh, as far as you go is listen how like positive and, and, and sweet and awesome you sound like you're not like, Hey, nice to meet you. Like you're, you're actually laughing and having a good time and all you have gone through and all you continue to go through, you still find time to laugh. You still find time to just enjoy life when you have every right to not enjoy life. You could, and, and but you've mastered it. You've overcome it. I'm sure you have some dark, you have some dark days, but where you are, and I know you've been dealing with this for a good while now, but where you are now, the fact that you can smile says something like it's inspiring that you, all that has been thrown at you and you still are still standing. Uh, like a lot of, well, you know, you must know, you must know that dark humor is, is actually very helpful oh, and very healing. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I'll tell you something that I've, I've told people in the past and obviously I'm joking, but I said, I want to be an organ donor. And they're like, okay, cool. And I'm like, what are you going to donate? I'm like, I'm just going to donate my eyes. 
just the video. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. It, yes. It, like it's dark. It, it, is it, it? It doesn't come from some <laughs> sadness and some pain, sure, but it helps me to like just laugh and have a good time to make fun of it. Like I have a friend who's totally blind, and he bumps into stuff, and he'll say, "Watch where you're going, you blind asshole." And he's talking to himself, <laughs> but it's like it, it's funny because it's just like you know, he knows, but it, it, you yeah. have to you have to make fun of it at the same time. But you also absolutely. But there's also a part of you that has to at some point like grab yourself and go like, hey man, like come outside yourself, like an inner body experience, whatever you want to call it, and say, look man, like, and I've done this with myself. I'm like, how are you still standing? Like you're so strong, you're doing all this. Like how are you? St- like why do you even make time for people to to interview or that? Like you are mm-hmm. you're still doing all this, and yet there's part of you that just wants to throw yourself off a bridge because you're just tired of all the the voices in the head, the the the, the physical and mental pain, but you're still here. And that, that's the part where I mean, like for you, like that is inspiring, at least from a person who has a disability and, and can look at your story, even though I'm getting to know you uh, in a small scale, it's like, I can, I, I'm very good at picking up on people's energy and it's like, wow, like you're, you're a very inspiring person, at least to me. But you know, again, it, I get what you're saying though, as far as the other part of it, there's sometimes people use our inspiration for the wrong reason. Yeah, uh, it's part of what, um, you know, everyone has something to give back. And especially when perhaps you're newly disabled, there's this sense of I'm, I need, my need is so big that all I'm doing is taking and it can feel really crappy. And it's, it's really uh, I'm getting to a place that we understand that all of us have gifts to give and it's kind of up to us to figure out what those are and sometimes it does take other people supporting us to develop those gifts for me it's my easy walk stuff and not only just finding easy walks for me to enjoy being outdoors but also to facilitate other people with disabilities to give them tools to be able to get outside on whatever level they're able to, to give them resources. Uh, my Facebook page, I'm in New England, but we're the, it's Easy Walks, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and beyond, because we have members from, I think, across the country now who are part of that little community. And anybody who provides, uh, here's where I've been, and I say, we don't just need pretty pictures. Help us know what's there. What's the address? What's the parking lot? What's the trail surfaces like? Because you can go to most places that have any kind of open space, you know, Audubon or other such, and they overlook trail surfaces every single time. It's really frustrating, but it's part of my sort of one-woman crusade to say, help share that information so people can make their own decisions about what their abilities are matched so that they can, whether it's even if they can't drive, get somebody to drive them there and walk with them or wheel their wheelchair with them if it's a handicapped accessible place. Uh, you know, just giving that those tools to me—that's what I can do. One of the things I can do 
to feel like I have a gift to give back. And I've, I've written these books, the hyper-local, right around where we are. So people know what they're doing and can be prepared to make their own choices about how to get outdoors. Yeah, for sure. It's trying to, I don't even know what you want to call it, but it's a, it's a feeling you give someone. Like I remember when I was in the hospital and my worst, when I was around four, four and a half and, you know, there was this one doctor who came in and I always remember, I always called him coffee breath because he smelled, his breath was always just riddled of coffee, but he was a really sweet guy and he always like massaged my shoulders and I, it just, it calmed me and it gave me this warm feeling and no matter how much pain I was in and no matter how scared I was, it made me feel just content and feel good. And it was just this warm rush feeling that went through me and it's just like, ah, and I, I didn't cry and I felt okay. And I felt it just, it gave me like a happy place to be in. And, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was, I was a, obviously I was a kid, but the older you get, it, it's harder to find the things that just resonate with you and make you happy. And, and you know, because the kids are so basic, you you can give them certain things and you're like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm good with that. But when you're an adult, you're <laughs> constantly seeking more. But for you, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially for someone who has trouble, you know, being mobile. Yeah. Getting out is something that seems impossible. And but when you get out there and you get to hear birds and see things and and you get to feel the sun, even though you're not a huge fan of it, you get to enjoy nature. You get to enjoy <laughs> life. It, it 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 gives you that I'm I'm happy that I'm not just in my house and staring at a ceiling fan. Right. Yeah. My husband actually built a tandem, an adaptive tandem bicycle, so we both could get out on a trail together. I I don't have the balance to ride a bike alone. And building this bike meant that I can, it's like flying. It's its just for someone with mobility challenges to be able to be on the back of a bike and just travel and see places. And at this point, he's made it so we can um, take this bike across the country. We went all the way out to Utah from New England this fall, last fall. And I got to see mountains and rivers and and national parks and places that had been completely out of reach to me. And we have kind of a family thing now of easy walks goes to Utah or easy walks goes to Canada or easy walks goes to Ireland. And, and yes, it's become my brand, but it's also uh, just giving me joy that is is really a gift that I could never imagined. So that's the latest book, my Easy Walks, um, a liturgy of Easy Walks, is meditations on living with a changed life and and all those stories, uh, but the introspection and the struggles, that's what this latest book is, just like one or two page meditations on that process yeah we have to we have to give him a little shine because he's obviously a huge part of your life your husband he seems to he is were you with him before everything you know no no okay i was and yes he married me knowing what he was getting into sort of uh we've been married 16 years and he would move mountains for me i'm very very blessed to have him in my life. He got us a camper that we can travel in cross country and he handles the mechanics of all that and does the driving. Cause I don't feel safe or comfortable doing that. And he's 
he's really, he provides the support that I don't sit and worry about the money. And um, that's another huge weight off of my shoulders. So, yeah, he's, like I said, he can move mountains. And sometimes he's had to. You're right. So, um, <laughs> no, not that. That's fantastic because that's you know not many people get to have that or at least get to feel what that true love and and someone who just looks past all and regardless of a disability or not, just look past all your baggage, your problems, and 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 then not only that, wants to uh, you know accommodate you and and bring you into their life and and because there's there's something you do for him again, maybe you know you inspire exactly. You obviously it, inspire it's him. More, it's- it's a more mutual um, marriage than it might appear from the outside. And, yep. It, so I don't feel like he's a martyr. I don't feel like, why is he putting up with me? Uh, I, I, I recognize that both of us have things to give, and that's the way you hope it will work. doesn't always, but I feel very lucky that I have that in my life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that, that's definitely something you you just can't you can't buy. You, you have something that's special, and obviously you still have your kids. And but the fact that he would come, you in, can't just snap. Yeah, you can't snap your fingers and make something like that happen. It it you know, and I I understand for some people it isn't going to, and I don't take it for granted. And I also understand. That's not not something that I can say. If you did this, then all your problems would go away. Because that's not true either. No, yeah, there's really not much that can do that. And uh, nope. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's nice. I'm I'm very happy you have that because that, that makes your life all that much different, and it makes it gives you a purpose. I mean. Well, I love to travel, but I, I recognize that traveling alone was never something I felt comfortable with. And then it got even that much harder. And being having a husband who loves to travel and loves to see new places is a, a, a kind of unexpected benefit that I, I wasn't sure would happen and very, very grateful for. Yeah, no. I mean, you said you're a person who doesn't really like to do things. Even when you did have full mobility, you were a person that didn't really like to do things by yourself. And, well, you found a perfect companion to go out and see the world with. He he really is. He's, I mean, we're neither, none of us are perfect. And I'm not, I don't want to say that this is a, a magical marriage. It's a, it's a wonderful marriage. And, it's always a lot of work and that's sure. just part of the nature of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we kind of wrap up and everything, I do want to know, like, cause you said that you had made some advancements and everything. So what is your actual mobility now from where it was when it was at its worst? Um, at this point I have, um, I'm able to walk. I do much better on paved or sidewalks that don't have, uh, cracks and upheavals and such. Uh, but when I'm on the trail, I always use what are called hiking poles and with little rubber tips that give uh, a lot of extra traction. So we keep hiking poles in our car and always have them there if there's an opportunity to get out. And, and that's just sort of a given that I use hiking poles. I also don't hike alone. Uh, I've got real muscle atrophy in my right leg, and so it's very weak. If I fall, 
it's very, very difficult for me to get up unassisted. So walking alone is, is just not a great idea for me. And I've made a commitment to my family that I will not walk alone. I, I walk in my neighborhood and that, um, and I keep a phone in my pocket. But, you know, those are, otherwise, if I'm out, I, I don't walk by myself. But that's still, that's still fantastic that you've gotten that far. You could even do that. If, if the one drawback is you have to have someone else around to make sure if you fall, they can pick you up. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> well, it, and, and also just, you know, writing these books has, has opened my eyes to a lot that I wasn't aware of myself. And uh, that in itself has been challenging, but eye-opening. And has, uh, I've made a lot of wonderful relationships through writing these books because I needed help doing the field work to actually get them done. And um, the self-publishing process means that I've learned a lot about uh, book marketing and, and helping get the word out that the resources are there. And I see it as a resource as opposed to buy my book, buy my book, uh, that it's a gift that I have to give other people. Yeah, we all have something to give. And as a person with disability, there is something there that people can learn from because you just. That's right. There's a lot of people that are where you were many years ago and they don't really understand what they do have. And sometimes life throws you a curveball and it actually will show you, like, wow, you had it. You, maybe you didn't have it made, but you, you know, your life wasn't <laughs> as bad as you thought. Maybe you just. Put, uh yeah. Yeah, I would never have written these books of easy walks if I hadn't faced mobility challenges myself. I, I don't know what I would have done, but I, I wouldn't have had the awareness. I wouldn't have had the drive. I wouldn't have had the obsession. I mean, this is the fifth easy walks book that I've written. It, um, I used, I said something about, well, you know, writing these books has become sort of an obsession. And a friend of mine said, it's not sort of Marjorie. Just <laughs> it's yeah. an obsession. Just just let it go. It is, right. and and I agree. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a, or you could just say it's a passion. You're passionate about something, and that's <laughs> that's good. Because I'm sure many years ago you didn't have anything, and now you have something. Your goal is to try to I, help. People. I could never have imagined it. I, I for me who was unable to walk to be able to write five books on walking is is the height of irony. Yeah, but that's that's the funny part about life. Things there's a lot of it things really is. you don't see. <laughs> For me, like doing this, I was I was the kid that would never speak up about anything. I was just oh. I was so shy. Like I remember I was telling my grandma the other day, the idea of my senior project and everybody's senior project is different, but you most most people who have a senior project in high school, they have to present it. And I hated speaking in front of people. I ended up getting a ninety seven uh -huh. on it. 97 on it, but I hated it, but I, I dreaded it for f over four years. Cause even like in eighth grade, I heard about it. I'm like, Oh God, I don't want to do that. And, <laughs> and now it's like here, I'm telling everybody all my personal things and I'm, you know, I'm talking and I'm trying to do some, mm -hmm. show some leadership. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of ironies and funny parts about where you start off is you, you never could ever see you know, all these other paths you're going to take because you just assume it's going to be the same as it was, you know, where you're at at that current time. 
sometimes I've learned that some of the things that we're most afraid of, that fear is actually because it's the thing we most need to do. Yes. And, and I can't really explain that, but I have found that over and over that when we feel frightened of something, if you can look past it, you may, you may realize maybe in retrospect that that was exactly what you needed to do. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Just... So that's what it sounds like your story is, that as, as afraid of it as you were, ultimately it was something you really wanted to do and, and were just fearful of. It sounds like you got the support you needed in some way to be able to take this on. Yeah, yeah, and some of I mean, some of you stumble upon things, and maybe you didn't even see <laughs> exactly. anybody, even with the podcast. I just, my mental health kept telling me for years, ah, why bother? No one's going to listen. And then at some point, I just, I looked for every reason not to do it, but I'm like, I'm going to just do it. And I just, I just tucked my <laughs> well, head good down for and you. just kept going. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So you want to, I want you to just promote one more time before we get out of here. You're fantastic, and I want people to read your books. Oh, thank you. Um, all of the books are listed on MarjorieTurner.com, M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E. Uh, Turner, everybody knows how to spell that. Uh, and they're the Easy Walks books. And my latest one is um, my liturgy of Easy Walks, Finding the Sacred in Every Day and Some Very Strange Places. So I'm Marjorie Turner, and thank you so much, Tim, for having me and for inviting me to have this chat with you. Of course. Like I said, when I read your story, I knew you would be perfect for the show just because of all you've become. And like I said, you're very, you're, you're, your energy is very infectious. It's nice to talk to somebody because I've said many times I never wanted to have someone on here just like, you know, dull and, and just like hating life. And look, we may feel that way sometimes, but... You know, I want people to actually feel inspired and, and to, to realize all that, not just people with disabilities, but others just that have been thrown so much and they just continue to find a way to get up metaphorically and literally. And um, <laughs> Right. And, and, and it's just great to have someone like you on. And I hope we can keep in touch because I'd love to support you in anything you do. And um, you know, Thank you. If you ever need Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I really, yeah, I appreciate that and appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm here and I love to hear from people. And when I'm able to do something that's helpful, that's a nice feeling for me too. Yeah, absolutely. So if you ever need anything, please just, or someone to talk to, just message me anytime and we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. Thank you so much. You take care. God bless. And uh, till next time. Yes, ma'am. God bless you as well. See you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, that was really good. Um, I don't know how bad my energy was on this episode. And again, I like to break the fourth wall for you. I haven't I haven't been up that long, but um, I don't know if I should even share this only because, and I said it on there, but briefly, I am attempting to try to go to Cincinnati to get this to see this top doctor his name is Edward Holland and um he's like my last he's the you know the last thing I have to 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 know if I can salvage some more of my sight and, and help um my vision I went to the eye doctor recently and didn't get a 
I mean, I won't say, I shouldn't say, I keep saying I didn't get great news. I didn't really get any news, which is technically good news, but the way she put it really kind of upset me. And not how, not because she put it that way, just because it made me look in the mirror more and realize I've been procrastinating too much. I need to just go to Cincinnati and scratch this itch. Um, she said things like, your eyes are sick and, you know, they're, they're not, they're hanging on. And it depressed me. It really does. And I'm, I'm so I'm I'm still my anxiety's a little high today and just depression a little bit. But um, I really did enjoy this interview and it did help immensely. So, um, so yeah. I, I'm and if you guys want to, well, the problem is it's going to come out later. But I, I'll be talking more about this probably on Instagram and everything. Um, and if something comes on after this, if something happens after this, I will be giving interviews. Um, or interviews. Excuse me. Sorry. This is what I mean. The tiredness and everything affecting me. I will be giving updates. Um. So wish me luck. I'm trying my best to get this done. I think I'm. I think I will definitely get to Cincinnati very shortly. But when I say wish me luck, wish me luck that I can get some. Because if he gives, if he green lights a cornea transplant, it's going to be a long process because of getting a donor and everything. But it's also going to be a lot of recovering and. It's just going to be the whole thing. Um, but I'm willing to go the extra mile just to salvage some of my sight and then just find some more peace of mind. I really am. Um, I've been running for this for a long time. And I, I'm sorry, Marjorie. I'm not trying to take away from your episode because you're fantastic. I'm just giving an update here. and um, uh, Yeah, I've been running from this cloud for a long time. Not just the mental health cloud, but the... What if you lose your sight, Cloud? And um, I've, I've I've gotten some distance, be um, you know by it. I can't even speak. I've I've gotten some distance from it, and now it's starting to creep back up. Um, and so I I need to just see what I can do here. I'm on my last uh, stand here, but I'm 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 gonna go. I'm, I have to figure it out, and I uh, hope you guys will. Be on that journey with me because I need all the support I can get to just get through it. Because as I've said many times, as much as I am at a certain place and there's people that are further behind me when it comes to their mental health, I'm still battling this every day. And I'm, I'm still having days of sadness and, and some dark thoughts and all that. I get through them quicker, but I, I, I still fight them. And, and there's still things that really affect me and really depress me. And I like to show you guys that because I, I don't want you to feel like I'm being a fraud and just going showing you when I'm happy and I'm I'm doing good. When there's a lot of times when I'm in my apartment, I'm just depressed. Um, I show you that because it's it's realistic, and I'm not just trying to have guests on here that are just like, yeah, we're all free of mental health and yay, life's great. And it doesn't work like that for everybody. I don't know if I'll ever be free of this. Maybe, but I don't see it. But we'll we'll see. I'm gonna keep pushing, keep fighting, and and you know I owe it to you guys. I owe it to all my family and friends and everything, and I owe it to myself um, and my co-host Bullet, who was here but left. So a little fur ball's gone. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys really you know again listening to this conversation. Appreciate what you do have, man. Seriously, appreciate what you have. Hug somebody. Um, I think that's one of my problems is I do live alone other than with, with my kitty. Um, and there's times where you just don't want to be alone and 
it's hard to call people because you just you asking for help. Uh, but uh, but please find people if you if you have if you live with somebody, you know, love them up, let them love you up, <clears throat> and and just find something to make you that makes you feel good. You know, I just finished Stranger Things, and you know it made me feel good for a while, even though it's a dark, crazy show. Still made me feel good. Um, now there's going to be a season five, so I have that to look forward to. Um, but uh, yeah, so I love you guys. I appreciate all your support, and thank you again. And we'll be back next week, and uh, hopefully I'll be in a better mood. Not that I'm in a bad mood, just, you know, a little down thinking about my stuff. But Marjorie was fantastic, and uh, thank for her for being on. So another great person that I met. And uh, yeah, guys, I'll see you on uh, on the next episode. Bye-bye. Oh, that isn't the outro, you silly idiot. I mean, that could be, but no. All right, let's try this. Take two.